Welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Friday, December 20th, 2019. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. The Blackhawks get a win in Winnipeg, beating the Jets 4-1. to A uh, up-and-down game. I've used the term this week often, roller coaster. This game was an absolute roller coaster of a game. The Hawks had a very strong first period, a really weird and bad second period, and a great third period. We're going to get to all of it. Going to go give our pluses and minuses, take a look at the numbers, and uh, get an injury update on Brandon Saad, who left the game from Jeremy Calton. First, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Email LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. There you can follow my personal account as well at jayzawaski 670 And of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast account at Madhouse Pod. Make sure you subscribe or review to all the podcasts. Very, very helpful. And I do appreciate all the support. So Hawks win four to one. Patrick Kane picks up four points. And we've discussed this a couple times this year. When the team's reeling and things aren't going well, you need your star players to pick you up. And that is absolutely what happened last night in Winnipeg. And it wasn't just Patrick Kane. I think Connor Murphy had a really strong game. I think Duncan Keith had a really strong game. Robin Leonard, obviously. Patrick Kane's four points are going to overshadow Leonard's performance. The Hawks could have easily, because of that second period, they could have easily lost this game 5-4. to four. He made... A dozen spectacular saves? Is that overstating it? I don't think so. A dozen feels about right. Where you were almost already upset that the goal went in. Like, oh, it didn't go in? How did it not go in? There were a bunch of those last night. He was absolutely terrific, as he's been most of the year. But Robin Leonard deserves uh, some absolute credit for a tremendous performance. Just a wonderful game for Robin Leonard and kept the Blackhawks in the game held that one nothing lead there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in this game and even though the second period was ugly the Hawks didn't have a shot on goal for 12 and a half minutes in the second period that's how long it took them to get a single shot on goal in the second and they had a power play mixed in there so even with that, they weren't able to, able to get a shot on goal. But they scored a power play goal last night, Eric Gustafson with the fourth goal of the game. I think overall, if we're talking about the whole performance of this game, it was pretty solid. Yeah, there was that bad 12-minute stretch, but as soon as they started getting a couple shots on goal, and oddly enough, when Brandon Saad went down, that's when I think the Hawks started playing better. It was weird, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if I can directly say like that's why, like oh, him going down inspired the Hawks to play better. I don't think that's the case. You got Kane and Taves out there together more often, and how good did that combo look with Kubalik? I think he's come along pretty well this season, especially lately. Kubalik's been really, really solid. So I'm pleased with his effort. I'm pleased with the, you know, overall, the entire team effort. That second period, though, was just so strange. I tweeted out 
in the first, the Hawks are attacking offensively. They're aggressive. They're getting pucks on net. They're getting guys in front. They're controlling the puck. They're controlling the play. In the neutral and defensive zones, they're hard on the puck carriers. They're challenging the puck carriers. And all of a sudden, it just stopped. It just stopped. I don't know what happened. And the Hawks were not able to find it again until, like I said, about 12 and a half minutes in to the second period. And then once they did, they took over. And that third period to me was one of the best periods of the season, especially considering the circumstances. You know, at that point, they're holding on to a lead and Winnipeg scores five minutes in to the third and it's 2-1. And instead of going into the shell and, you know, playing to prevent defense, which we talk about so often, the Hawks keep attacking. They outshot Winnipeg 17-7 to in the third period. That's all you need to know. And we can go, we're going to go look at the numbers deeper later in the show, but that's domination. 17 to 7. I don't care how you shake that out. It was a tremendous game for, you know, 48 minutes of the 60. And those 12 minutes got away from them. But look, this is why this season's been as frustrating as it's been. Because you see efforts like this and you see games like this, and you see them, even if they're not getting the results. Even if they're not getting the goals, you're seeing them have stretches where they're playing well against good teams. And it's still sort of in question whether or not the Jets are good. I think they're good. I don't think they're great. They're not an elite team by any means, but they're pretty good. But look, look, we talked about it earlier this week. The game Saturday against the Blues where they ultimately lost 4-3. They had a commanding lead on the Blues for a long time in that game, and they just lost it. But Winnipeg is 20-13-12. and 12. That is an undeniably good team. And the Hawks went into their building the day after having played a game and was the better team pretty much start to finish, save for that 12-minute stretch in the second period. And Robin Leonard had to be the best Robin Leonard possible to keep them in the game during that stretch. But he did it. And the Hawks win 4-1, to one, and that's ultimately what matters, right? One weird little thing, though. During the second intermission, they went to the, you know, NBC Sports Chicago crew, Patrick Sharp, Adam Burrish, Pat Boyle. And they were sort of like, yeah, you know, even though that period wasn't great, I didn't really mind it. I don't know. I minded it. The, the first part of that second half of that second period was pretty brutal. And I'm trying to understand, you know, when players talk, I like to listen and say, like, because obviously they know more than I'll ever know. They've forgotten more than I'll ever know. But I couldn't figure out where they were coming from on that. Like, what about that stretch of 12 and a half minutes did you enjoy? Aside from Robin Leonard being fantastic. All right, before we take our first break, going to let you hear from Jeremy Cowan, who updated the status of Brandon Saad, who left the game in the second period. He's going to be out a couple weeks. We'll see. Um, obviously, it's it's ankle, and um, you know I don't have an exact timeline, but it'll be won't be. It's not day to day. So that doesn't sound great. And I'm one of those people that always says a couple, and I don't mean to. I say it by mistake. Like uh, you know, I've been I've been here a couple of years. That's well, seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, I don't know if Jeremy Cowan is a literal couple user. And if he really means two weeks, but even if he means two or three, that to me indicates that 
It's probably not a break. It's probably a bad sprain. And I was actually semi-relieved to hear ankle and not knee. Because when he went down, you saw that knee buckle underneath him and get stuck on the toe pick there. And it looked like it could have been bad. And also in that intermission, Patrick Sharp said, you know, you never want to see a player. Like players always want to get up and skate. And the fact that he didn't was a bad sign. But it sounds like sort of cautiously optimistic news that it won't be a super long-term injury for Brandon Saad. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Hawks win 4-1 to last night, beating the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. The Avalanche are up next Saturday in Colorado. Then it's the Devils on Monday. But as we do after every Blackhawks game, let's go over the pluses and minuses and start with the very many pluses. Let's see, who should the first plus of the game go to? One guy had four assists, and he was a plus three. Another guy stopped 36 of 37 shots. You know what? I'm going to give it to Robin Leonard. Robin Leonard will get the first plus of the game. Just absolutely outstanding. And as Pat Foley was talking about Robin Leonard's performance, he made another amazing post-to-post save. Right on cue. (laughs) Just really, it was great to see. Uh, almost as if they drew it up that way, as if they knew it was coming. Robin Leonard made a great save right there. By the way, in the post game, Robin Leonard talked about how many backdoor one-timers the Blackhawks are giving up. Keep an eye on that. That is something to watch for and something to see if they correct. Usually when a player points something out, he's doing that for a reason. You don't really want to tell the opponent that you're giving up a lot of backdoor one-timers. You probably want to tell the coach, like, hey, This might be something we want to take a look at. Chach, get it fixed. Second plus of the game, obviously, goes to Patrick Kane. One goal, three assists, plus three, 19-12 of ice time, eight shots on goal, and another shot of his was blocked. A tremendous performance for Patrick Kane, who carried the team offensively and called into double duty when Brandon Saab went down. Really another terrific performance from one of the best players in Blackhawks history and as we're you know a decade past the Blackhawks first title or actually on our way to the decade mark that's going to be the conversation is Patrick Kane's place in Blackhawks history and I'm getting comfortable saying third behind Hull and Makita Probably actually reverse order. Probably Makita and Hull and Patrick Kane third. But if he puts together another four years of this, five years of this, which is maybe a little unrealistic, but if he can stay like a point-per-game player for that long, he's going to have a conversation up there with those two greats in franchise history. There's something you can email me about. Where do you put Patrick Kane in Blackhawks history? Send me an email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, or on Twitter, Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Third plus of the game. It's going to go to Alex Nylander. I liked his game Wednesday night in Colorado. I feel like he's been playing a little better lately. A goal, an assist, plus one, 14-15 of ice time, three shots on goal. 
He was a little quicker with his decisions. There was one point in the game where he did hold on to the puck, but I thought it was the right thing to do. He was all alone coming down the right wing, and he wanted to see if he could get the goalie to go down and commit. It didn't work. It didn't happen. But I think he played uh, a strong game. And, man, if they can get him going, uh, to you know, if he plays every game, and I don't mean getting two points every night, but if he just puts together a performance like he did last night, that's going to be very, very helpful. Another plus for me, Dominic Kubelik, who scored a goal, four shots, another shot of his was blocked. He's really starting to come into his own and pick up that consistency. We saw those flashes early in the year where every couple games you'd see Kubelik flash or make a really great play. I like that he's getting some time on that top line. I think his game probably fits up there. Not ideally, probably not on a championship team, but I like him better there where he can focus on offense take advantage of some great passes that are going to be on his stick. The guy's a sniper. He's a scorer. He's got a great shot. And uh, that goal he scored where Patrick Kane just sort of stopped the puck at the blue line and found him alone in front. Some guys would panic in that situation. You know, if that's Alex Nylander, maybe he falls down or mishandles it or shoots it over the net. But Kubelik, calm, cool, and collected, goes five hole, and the Hawks have a 2 nothing lead at that point. So really nice goal. That's his ninth of the season, by the way. So quietly, Kubelik is starting to pile up those points. Now let's get to the minuses. The only real minus I have is, I guess I have to give it to Jeremy Colleton because he's the coach. And when something weird is happening strategically, you kind of have to blame him. And I don't know if it's, he can't go on the ice and play for the guys, but that lapse in the second period was so strange. They were having such success that all of a sudden they lose aggressiveness. They're not playing as fast. They're not attacking as much. I don't know what happened there. And when it look, you're going to have ups and downs during the course of a game. That's normal. That's going to happen. But to see a lapse that long where the style of play and I'm not going to say system overall, but the system they were using at the time was so different and the results were so vastly opposite that it was strange that they couldn't, I don't know, when you're on the bench, say, hey, don't forget, press the attack, check hard, forecheck, back check, all the things you need to do. It was just an odd lapse in the game where they had the edge in play for pretty much the rest of it. I don't know what happened in those 12 minutes. All I can do is say, coaching, let it go on a little too long. I don't know. I guess you need a, neg- a minus to do pluses and minuses. So there it is. There's a minus of Jeremy Collin. I don't think anyone will be too offended. I don't know if there's a, anyone left in the I love Jeremy Cowton fan club anymore. Happy Friday. It is Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Going to go down to the number line here in a moment, but before I do, want to point out something very cool uh, on The Athletic today. Mark Lazarus had an interview with Stan Bowman. Uh, make sure you check that out. It's a good thing. I'm going to have Mark Lazarus on the podcast early next week. Kind of tough with the holiday week. We're trying to work out a time. He's also on the road with the team, so uh, it's gonna, it's we're trying to coordinate. I was going to talk to him maybe Saturday night, but that won't work. So we'll find a time. We've got a couple days between games uh, next week. So I'll find some time to talk to Mark Lazarus about his piece with Stan Bowman. I don't feel comfortable going over it with people on my show when it's not my work 
now and again, I'll share a sentence or a quote or whatever, but Mark Lazarus did this work. He got the one-on-one interview, so I'll put him on the podcast next week, and we'll talk about that and some other big-picture Hawks stuff. Uh, and maybe by that point, we'll talk a little bit about the new Star Wars movie. I have not seen it. I am in the spoiler-free zone. Do not talk to me. Do not look at me. I, I got it before we get to the numbers. I got to share this story. And if you haven't seen Force Awakens yet, I'm about to give you a spoiler. Now, Force Awakens came out, what, in 2017, 2015? It's the first of the Ray, Poe, Finn, Kylo Ren Star Wars. That long ago. I think I'm safe. So, big Star Wars fanatic getting really excited that The Force Awakens is coming out. And I must have tweeted the word Star Wars. Like, oh, super psyched about Star Wars. This SOB on Twitter created an account called Han Solo Dies with a picture of Han Solo being lightsabered by Kylo Ren, right? And follows me and, like, likes a bunch of my tweets. So when I go check my notifications, I see Han Solo Dies followed you. Han Solo Dies liked your tweet. This was before the movie was in theaters. So somebody found out from whatever, the first screening, they did one, they just did one for Rise of Skywalker in LA on, on, I think it was maybe Wednesday night. They had the first screening. So there were some people that know what happens. They follow that account. They create that account. Look for people who are tweeting about Star Wars and go spoil the movie. I don't believe in the death penalty except for that guy. He should get the death penalty. All right, let's take a look at the numbers. Okay, maybe that's a little too far. But what kind of a jerk, right? Like, what kind of human being is like, you know what I should do? This is what I should do. This would be really funny. This is going to make people really mad and ruin something special for them that they've been following since since I was born in 1977 when A New Hope came out. Star Wars has been part of my life, my entire life, and one dick on Twitter had to ruin it for me. So when Han Solo walks out onto that ledge... During that scene, I slapped my leg like, damn it, here it comes. And my wife was like, what? She had no idea. I'm not going to ruin it for her. But at least in the moment, it wasn't as traumatic as it could have been because I knew it was coming. All right, enough Star Wars nonsense. Spoiler time is over. You're good to go. I mean, come on. If you haven't seen it by now, you can't be mad about a spoiler. Looking at the game, Blackhawks held a 47.37 Corsi 4 percentage in this game. Oddly enough, in the first period, shots on goal were 13 to 12 in favor of the Jets, but the Corsi, the shot attempts were 25 to 17 in favor of the Jets. The Hawks were at 40.48%. Now to the second period. Now remember, that first period felt pretty good. Felt like a solid period, felt like a good period. Second period, the Hawks' Corsi 4 percentage at 5-on-5, 29.41. 24 shot attempts against, 10 shot attempts for. Now to the third period. Maybe the Hawks' finest period of the season. 64% Corsi 4 advantage for the Blackhawks. 16 shot attempts for, 9 against. Now, Now 14 of those 16 shot attempts were on goal. Pretty solid. High danger scoring chances. Guess who had the edge in this game? The Blackhawks had an 8-6 
high danger scoring chance advantage. Watching that game, it didn't feel that way. Some of those high danger jet shots were very, very high danger. Now let's take a look at some of the individual performances. Team leader in 5-on-5 Corsi percentage was Dominic Kubelik with a 58.06, 18 attempts for, 13 against. Patrick Kane, 53.49, that's a 23-20 ratio. Adam Boquist, 53.33 with a 16-14 ratio. Alex Nylander with a 52, and Jonathan Taze with a 50% even. That Those were the guys over at 50% or higher for the Blackhawks. On the bottom end, Alex Dabrinkit, 22.22%. That's a minus 27.78 Corsi relative. That's really bad. Uh, 21 shot attempts against 6-4 with him on the ice. Not great. Highmore was 26.67%. Dennis Gilbert, 3103. David Camp, 3158. Kirby Doc, 33.33. Didn't talk a lot about Doc in this uh, podcast yet. And I think he had a decent game, had a, a nice takeaway. I think he had two pretty nice takeaways, actually. Uh, but he's getting pushed around a lot. That's something I didn't expect to happen. I know he's still kind of a string bean. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Yeah, he's tall, but he's not big and strong just yet. But I don't know, something to keep an eye on. Is he a little bit timid? And and look, it's understandable for an 18-year-old rookie to be out there and not be totally, you know, sure of yourself. But I'd like to see Doc take some of the physical game to the opposition. And this is an adjustment. And these are some of the things we talk about. It's not just adjusting to the speed of the game. It's not just adjusting to the size of the opponents. It's adjusting to yourself. Kirby Doc is very used to being the biggest, the strongest, and the best player on the team or on the ice most nights. Where he can just skate circles around people. He can dominate play when he feels like it. If he wants to play at 85% for 90% of the game and then turn it on at the end, he has the ability to do that and pretty much, not score at will, but pretty close to it, right? Playing at the lower levels. Now he jumps from Saskatoon to the Chicago Blackhawks where a lot of guys are as good or better than him. And that's a new challenge. That's something he's going to have to adapt to. So aside from catching up with the speed, catching up with the pressure, being ready for passes that you probably didn't have to be ready for in the lower levels, you've also got to be, you have to know your limitations. And this goes back to the frustration that we've had with him trying that deking move that toe drag move he does all the time it doesn't work at this level you're not gonna just drag a puck through a guy's legs every time now and again it might happen but he probably goes to it two or three times a week and it's yet to work it looks nice and sometimes you can get it from you know beginning of the move to the end of the move but then it's knocked away or whacked away these are some of the adjustments we talk about with a young player It's not just adjusting to the opponent. It's adjusting to their own abilities. And I think Kirby Doc is getting better game to game for the most part. But I want to see him sort of engage more physically, make the decision to be a physical hockey player. I think that will make him more effective. He's not afraid to go in front. He goes in front of the net all the time. That's not a fear for him. 
But there's been a lot of opportunities where he's had a chance to finish a check. And again, I'm not saying go Scott Stevens somebody, right? I'm not saying put somebody through the glass, whatever. But if there's a if there's a check to make there in a corner, finish it. Take the check. Hit somebody. Wear somebody down. It works. It's effective. Hitting in the game has value. And with a big body like Kirby Docks, he should be using it a little more often. But hey, we're headed into the weekend. Feeling good after a Blackhawks win Thursday night. Again, they beat the Jets 4-1. to Tomorrow night, it's the Colorado Avalanche, so hopefully they don't just wash away all the good feelings we had after this one. But look, for uh, one more day, we're feeling good. We're feeling happy about the Blackhawks. And uh, hopefully when we come back on Monday, we'll have another win to talk about. With that, going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day we will talk to you next week still working on the schedule for next week i do think there will be an off day on christmas day but there'll be one monday there'll be one tuesday maybe i'll do one for christmas maybe a lot of people will be driving around in their cars let me see let me consider i'll get back to you i'll let you know monday or tuesday but with that thanks for listening to lockdown blackhawks part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day very much appreciate your support Have a wonderful weekend.